Betty, if you want to turn to Ezekiel 34, that's where we're going to start in a minute. Ezekiel 34. Yeah. <laughs> See, it was somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> I found it once. <laughs> I sort of have to wander around a little bit because standing still hurts, sitting still hurts. So if I'm moving like this, don't worry. <laughs> 34. We should have it up on the board, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can come together again in your living word and uh, I just pray you just open us up to what you need to say through me this morning. Amen. And yes, I've made notes and I've got thoughts and ideas, but Lord, it's all about you Amen. and it's all about your message to us. Amen. So use me this morning to open up what you need to say this morning and strengthen us and do us good. Amen. And yes, even challenge us where we need to be challenged, Lord. Amen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't suppose how many of you actually watched Clarkson's Farm but uh, there's a few of us I know uh, quite enjoyed the series and obviously you know Jeremy Clarkson being who he is. Um, if you don't know, he used to have a farm or still has a farm in Oxford uh, which tenants used to look after for him and they retired and decided in the heat of the moment that he would take it on himself. And they made a, a programme or a series of this of Clarkson actually farming uh, which is quite an eye-opener in itself let alone in um, and I remember once, um, it was series one, and it was episode three-ish, he went and got some sheep. Now, of course, we're getting up to Christmas now, apparently. It's not far away, allegedly. So we're doing a little bit of a mini-series here. I'm talking about shepherds. Tom's talking about the kings. Dave's doing a family service at the end. I presume a carol service is in there somewhere. So this is where we're going today. We're going to look at the shepherds. Now, in episode three, Clarkson, in his infinite wisdom, goes and buys some sheep. And I think he spent the rest of that episode chasing them. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing them back to where they're supposed to be. Because they just kept breaking out of his fencing, breaking his walls, completely ignoring him and what they wanted to do. Because the thing with sheep is, they've got a death wish. Simply, they've got a death wish. You talk to any farmer who's got livestock and they'll tell you the same. Sheep just want to die. <laughs> okay? <laughs> they are stubborn, disobedient. They go their own way. They ignore what the shepherd wants them to do. They'll go astray just to get out of the way. And they fend for themselves. Is it any wonder Jesus calls us his sheep? <laughs> you see, as a farmer, it's not a job. It's a vocation at the end of the day. Because you don't get days off. It's seven days a week. You work in all weathers, no matter what. Yes, we haven't got livestock as such. We've got horses. But it's an animal at the end of the day. 
And they need that attention seven days a week, no matter what you're doing. Because they completely rely on you, the farmer, to look after their welfare. And it's hard work. There's no break. There's no holidays, generally. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. And like shepherds, this takes dedication to do it. Because you're responsible for their welfare. And it's usually a cost to the shepherds doing this. Despite the sheep's suicide mission, stubbornness and disobedience, a good shepherd will risk everything to keep that sheep well. Whether it's tending to its sick needs, binding it up, a good shepherd will always spend time and money with integrity and honesty to lead the sheep the best he can. Because amongst farmers, we always look over each other's fences wondering what we're doing. Who's got the best crop? Who's got the best looking livestock? Who's looking after who? And the thing is, the quality of the sheep relies on the quality of the shepherd. Because the shepherd always wants the sheep to be the best they can be. See, when we come to the Christmas story, the shepherds, as we know, are the first to know. Yeah. Now, being farmers, you're not really high on the agenda for people. I remember Merrick, when his dad saying to me when I gave up my job as a manager at Tesco's, to say, you realize you're going to be the lowest of the low. Because people just don't want to know you as a farmer. And that is the truth. We are low in society. And here, the shepherds are treated the same way. Because to the shepherds, to the rest of society, they're social outcasts. They tend to keep themselves to themselves. They don't mix. But they are very humble, hard-working people. And God chose these humble people to reveal his plan for reconciliation for the world. And this set the tone for Jesus' ministry to go forward with. Now, we'll go to Ezekiel 34. It's a bit of a long passage, but I think it's worth going through it. It says this. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have you been feeding yourselves? Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because they had no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They were wandering all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to seek or search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, 
Hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food with all the wild beasts, since there is no shepherd and because my shepherds have been not searching for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep of their hand, and I put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, and they will not become food for them all. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's amongst his sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day's clouds of thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples, and they gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and the all-inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel, and they shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. On rich pasture they shall feed on my mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. As for you, my flocks, this is the Lord. Behold, I will judge between sheep and sheep. See, Ezekiel, like many prophets, had a real go at the leaders and the kings of Israel for failing to do what they were asked to do. And here Ezekiel is having a go at them for not looking after his sheep, his people. That's what they were assigned to do. They failed both morally and spiritually in the job that they were appointed to do. You see, they served themselves at the cost of the people rather than serve the people at a cost to themselves. And even some sheep themselves had grown fat through wealth, power, and status. And this was the expense of all the weaker sheep. But you know, all was not lost. Because in verse 11, God says, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I, myself, will restore once again where my sheep should be through kingship and leadership, through justice and compassion, through integrity, I will invest into my sheep, give them protection and nourishment, and to be the best they can be. And at the birth of Jesus, this restoration begins. See, Tom is speaking on the kings next week, and I don't know what he's going to say or how he's going to approach it, but here, in the manger, was both king and shepherd. 
At the birth of Jesus, both king and shepherd came together. And out of the line of David. And guess what David was? A shepherd and a king. Jesus' ministry statement was this. I came to seek and save the lost. And this promise was fulfilled from Ezekiel 11. Because that's exactly what God was saying to his people. I will come and seek and save the lost. And you know, Jesus loved going seeking. He loved going seeking. He even left the 99 to go and seek the one that was astray. He was the good shepherd. He was the best shepherd. He's the only shepherd that could do this. He came not to be served, but to serve. Not to serve himself at the cost of the people, as the leaders of Israel were doing, but serve his people at a cost to himself. Even unto death on a cross. Despite our easily led, disobedient, stubborn, wayward ways, Jesus came as a good shepherd, committed to us, going out in all weathers, seven days a week, humbly going after his sheep. Why? So we could be the best we can be for him. Let's turn to Luke 2. Starting at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will for all the people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace be amongst those who will be pleased. When the angels went away them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Did you really see that? Seriously? Tell me you saw that. It wasn't a mirage, was it? No, they didn't. They said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. See, firstly... The shepherds were filled with fear. I would guess that's a slight understatement. <laughs> Seeing that appear in the, in the night sky. 
as the glory of God. Just imagine that, the glory of God shining amongst them. Yeah. It must have been awe-inspiring, let alone fear. But get this, it wasn't their fear that held them down. They overcame their fear by faith. They overcame their fear by faith. Because it's by faith that brought them to Jesus at that moment in time. It was faith alone. You see, the kings bought physical gifts. Frankincense, myrrh and gold. But the shepherds brought priceless gifts. By, forth, by faith they brought honour, worship, and above all, themselves. They left their sheep. Now remember what I've just said at the beginning. They were totally committed to their sheep. Nothing was going to budge them. But what did they do when they saw it? They left their sheep. They realised it was more important to go and find Jesus than sit round looking after their sheep. Remind you of the disciples? When Jesus said, follow me, they dropped everything because they realised how important it was to follow Jesus. They brought the best of themselves just to worship the true shepherd. And when they told others what they saw, they seemed not to be believed. The people said in verse 18, wonder what they were talking about. Now was it, was it because of what they were told? Or who was telling them about it? How could this possibly be, these lowly shepherds, these outcasts? How can they be the first to know? Surely someone of status or social standing or someone with influence around us, surely they should be the first. Why these shepherds? Because God looks at the heart and not the head. Those are the people he wants to bring before him. Those people who've got a heart for attitude of worship and not a head knowledge of who he should be. See, if you read further into Ezekiel 34, even amongst his sheep, he will judge between fat and lean. Those who are out for themselves and those who are willing to worship. You see, he seeks those who don't hold on to status or power or wealth, but he seeks out those who are humble, who are willing to dedicate themselves to bring the best of themselves to him in worship. See, sometimes I think we overcomplicate Christianity. Because Jesus, all he ever wants from us is faith and obedience. Full stop. Yet we seem to overcomplicate this message somehow and make all sorts of ways of not doing it. And it's so simple when you look at it. See, those by faith left what they knew. They came to trust in Jesus alone. To come and follow their shepherd. 
See, in Psalm 23, which we all know, we shall read it out. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We just heard that in Ezekiel. He leads me beside still waters. We've heard that in Ezekiel. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil. For you are with me. You are my rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely in goodness shall mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, Psalm 23 is a psalm of trust and it echoes Ezekiel 34. Whether in plenty or want, whether in life or death, whether in rest or restoration, we have a good shepherd, the best shepherd, abundant in goodness and mercy for his sheep, no matter how stubborn we are or how wayward we are or whether we go our own way. His goodness of mercy and mercy are with us all the time. He never leaves nor forsakes us. Leads us with integrity. A shepherd who is trustworthy, therefore worthy of praise. All he asks of his sheep, his people, is to come to him. As those first shepherds did. By faith, they brought honour, worship, and the best of themselves. Why? So the shepherd becomes a habitation within his sheep to go and partner with him and to continue his mission statement with us to go and seek to save the lost. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you as we come to you again in worship, whether that's through song, prayer, sharing a word. Lord, we just bring the best of us to you. In faith and obedience, Lord, that's what you call us to do. So you can work in us to go and seek the saved and lost with you as a partnership. So Lord, Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Do us good as we look to you for this, because we can't do it on our own. But Lord, help us break into this community around us. So at this Christmas time, they come to know you more, or just to come to know you. So Lord, as your sheep, let us not be disobedient or stubborn or wayward, but look to the good shepherd for guidance as you gather us in as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.